Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the OutKick network, this is OutKick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. The NFL has appointed another independent person, overseer, arbiter, to uh, hear the appeal of the NFL regarding the Deshaun Watson suspension, currently at six games. It will be more, and then we find out if the NFLPA or Watson's camp comes back with a, a lawsuit trying to seek an injunction with all of this. The saga's just beginning. Third hour, though, is here. Show flying by. Outkick 360 across the Outkick Network, 6th and Peabody, our location, with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. We have Armando Salguero joining us in 20 minutes. A um, couple of NFL headlines out there today from training camps. Matthew Stafford is dealing with, he termed, bad tendonitis. That was the quote in his elbow. So maybe we don't see Matthew Stafford very much until the Thursday night game to kick off the regular season. When I say we don't see You're him talking much, practice. I, I'm talking practice. Because yeah. we know we're not seeing him in games right. because the Rams are the leaders in dismissing preseason games yes. as a factor. McVay did that two years ago now where he basically just said, we don't play people in the preseason. You guys both channeled a little bit of Allen Iverson there when you said, talk, we're talking practice. We're talking, we're talking practice, practice yeah. right now. We're talking about practice. That's a concern uh, yeah. for Stafford. I mean, you, you want your guy feeling okay and he's not participating in team drills i can't imagine he's throwing much uh, you know with much mustard or much distance in in uh, individual either you know not the same thing but roethlisberger was dealing with the shoulder and then he had an elbow issue too and he was not throwing much in the offseason last year and he said like you know typical offseason he was throwing like fifty thousand passes yeah you know i'm I'm uh, ad-libbing here on what he was saying. A lot. Generalities. A, a lot. lot. Like more than you would guess at uh, some random trivia night if, so, if he threw it out. Um, so for him not to throw, I, I wouldn't imagine if he's dealing with that, he's throwing anyway leading up to this, but who knows. Um, but yeah, that, that's a storyline to watch simply because of what they're trying to accomplish and who they brought back. You know, McVay said one of the main reasons he decided to come back and not even pursue a meeting with the $20 million per year offer for media was because Stafford uh, and Cooper Cup came to his office and said, there's no way you're leaving. Like, we're, we're on a roll here. We just won one. We have a chance to put together something special. And you've got the other guys on that roster, uh, Aaron Donald included, who said Aaron Do he, he said his retirement plans are now based on if Sean McVay is the head coach or not. Yeah, so if McVay took a TV deal, things would have come I, apart I, there personnel-wise, at least from Stafford Aaron Because Stafford is, you know, he's a part of this, this whole thing with what the Rams have done. And I, I thought of this. Someone asked me the other day about why Brady didn't get um, penalized for the tampering uh, with 
Miami. And it, I immediately thought, like, we literally just saw this. The Super Bowl champions did it with the head coach and with their quarterback vacationing in Cabo. Like, th- this the is, rule isn't against that. Yeah, the rule well, is the other way. Now, Florio wrote and proposed, you know, there should be a rule on the Sean Payton side. If you're approached, you should have to go to the league office and say right away, I was approached, it's illegal, I backed off, and I'm coming to report it to you. You know, if you're a coach because you're in team management, it should apply to you, and you should have to turn in the approach E. But a player, so, I mean, how can you pin it on a player? And ju- just to clarify the rule, so even if, even if Brady and his management team approach the Dolphins, based on that contact, the Dolphins have to turn that in and report it if the player did did that. Right. As by if not it's on the doing Dolphins. it by not doing it and by engaging in that conversation, it was tampering. That that's why the rule is the onus is Miami. on the club Always. to turn it in at yes. all times, which is fine. It's reasonable. Well, I and, mean, it's a standard and in, rule. In Sean Payton's case, the the Dolphins would have to trade for his rights, but. Right. In They're order also, to have the conversation, I mean, you back channel it in a proper way. There are proper just, ways to do it. Should not just be willy nilly though. That there's no repercussions if you're under contract for another team. You just go and contact whoever. Well, for the for the coach, I certainly think it's a different level. For a player, the rule is you can't mess with players. So if somebody's messing with the player, that's on the person, the team messing with them, not yeah, on think, the player being well, messed I think, with. You know, I if we're agents, gonna put a if we're gonna put a clause in a quarterback, put it on agents. If we're gonna put a clause in a quarterback's contract to study independently for four hours, I think that you should put in the contract you can't be going to other teams approaching them about doing something with them. I don't think that's well, unreasonable for a contract in, in Brady, for a well, player the, te- the, NFL. the team, the onus is on the, the team way, to run away from that contact. By the way, the league did not say Brady did did this first. He didn't say they contacted. Well. I, I get what you're saying, Paul, but if it's the onus on them to report it, in reporting that that player should face some sort of consequence also for doing that. If I, I go to the owner of another team and say, I'm unhappy in Tampa or wherever, let's talk, let's get engaged in something, I can be a part owner there, whatever, but we're going to make this happen. If the owner just said, stop right there, this is illegal, goes to the league and turns in that player, nothing happens to the player? No. I, I well, don't, that's ridiculous. I, I don't imagine many players are instigating this. I don't either, I but still that team instigated. I feel like that should be something that's included in an NFL contract that you don't do that. Maybe I'm crazy, but I guess players can just do, it, do whatever the hell they want. Well, the players, well, in this case, and again, it's a hypothetical. In this case, both instances took place in December in a contract expiring year for Tom Brady. Um, and this past year as well, whenever think, he was going to retire. I think the league thinks it's covered by having an absolute huge rule against it from the team side. So it's in its thinking, if Tom Brady hypothetically right. were to approach Miami, it says, well, we're covered because Miami can't participate in that. We, uh, we hitting around the, the uh, main issues here, but the, the, the issue is Matthew Stafford took L.A. from a, a team that was on the cusp to a team that was great. And something small now, hope you hope for, for their sake, they're hoping it doesn't pop up in October 
and lead to something a bit more down the road, something to follow. But you'd much rather it be a, a ankle tweak or a, a yeah. hamstring than an elbow. I, I, would, I would. I would think so. Um, and a contract extension at wide receiver. Deontay Johnson. Yeah, and he gets in Pittsburgh. Uh, two he got, years. did quite well. $36 million new dollars, a two-year extension, which I think is now a total of three years. So is this the new norm, guys? Short deals. Uh, no, well, not just short deals, but if you're in year three and you want to get paid, you just demand it. And if you don't get the full the full term extension, teams are going to give you a raise. Two days ago, the report was they are nowhere close, nowhere close. I think the agent said it maybe publicly. And Johnson, I mean, was what's going what, into his final year? Yeah, and is the answer to look at uh, the rules for rookies and change that? To shorten it, where because now th- it doesn't matter. Well, the players really wanted If you really play well, that. you just demand that you want it a year early, the, and you're going to get it. The players really wanted free agency after three years. Yes, at least at wide receiver, it feels like free agency after They're three years. They're well, in a way at so, one position. And I guess what I'm saying is, shouldn't the league be more agreeable to that? If the owners in the league and the GMs are just going to give them the big money. Three years in either way? Well, we're talking about 11, 12 guys in one offseason at one position. That's a long way from the, the whole league. It's a nice trend. Well, it's it's, it's a nice who, trend for players at one premium position for sure. Who didn't get paid? Like That wide not, receiver, everybody got I mean, paid. AJ got his. The Titans decided not to pay him, but he got paid. So it, if you want it, you just demand it, and you hold firm, and you'll get it. Like, Deontay Johnson wasn't playing ball with Pittsburgh here. You know, he was... And he's a great player. What about different rules for different positions taken in the draft? Make it's, it a year shorter for positions that you said the super important positions. Well, I think it's... And it's four years for an offensive guard and three years for a receiver. It's too soon to judge that, though, because... So it's one like year for quarterback? <laughs> Yeah, like two. We've, we've talked about I mean, it. Have a sliding too, scale. It's too soon to decide what's happening at wide receiver because it could be that primo, or it could be the next running back based on how these. If Traylon Burks comes in and replaces AJ Brown real effectively, the Titans could say, "Well, the next CBA hey, could address that for us. The next CBA could change that." And I would say three years for quarterback, three years for receiver. Uh, I don't know another position right now that I'd put on that list that wouldn't be four years. Well, but I think the left tackles and the corners would come in and say, well, you know, we're equal value. We just don't have the stats to go with it. It's great news for the players when you can find a way to legitimately circumvent the rules of the league and get what you want early. And they've done that at that position. Yeah. Fair to say? Right now. Guys yeah. that are good. They're very getting what good, they want. Very AJ good. AJ Brown's cycle. tweeting about, hey, I was the one guy who was traded that asked for this. Everyone else got exactly what they wanted. Well, he got exactly what he wanted money-wise, contract-wise, just with another team. And Deontay so Johnson is so. yet another example of a guy doing it on a cheap quarterback team. An inexpensive quarterback team. I'm not calling I mean, them cheap. God, they drafted at, a first-rounder. So but they're not spending money at quarterback right now. Here's who's coming up, guys. Uh, so yeah, this we had how many? 11 now? Wide 11 of the top paid? paid 16 or 17 now. So here are wide receivers uh, that are about to begin year three. So about to finish and a going year, into the offseason. A year in April we'll be talking about it. Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, Brandon Ayuk, uh, Michael Pittman, T. Higgins, Van Jefferson, Chase Claypool, LaVishka Chenault. And that's just like through about 40 selections of the 2020 NFL draft. I would say some of those guys need to put up this year to get there. 
but they're they're tracking I mean, well. But that's not as good as this year's list was a year ago. I guess. I mean, I, that's... Well, it's not as many, for starters, because we just said 11. Oh, again, I did that in about 30 seconds, yeah. uh, glancing down through a list. There are others. Henry Ruggs would have been on that list. Yeah. Um, there, there are uh, several others from the list. Point being, like... The trend going. is teams are willing to pay for wide receivers. It may not be the team those guys are on, but you can get moved and get your money. And it's a trend that's worth following because there there are always going to be stars at that position based on how the rules are made for the league right now. Also a very big deal, you know, how do the how does Garrett do? How does Jamison Williams do? How does Traylon Burks do? How do these first round wide receivers do? Yeah. Because if three out of four wide receivers, uh, you know, if you're hitting at 75, 70% now, it hurts those guys because teams, more teams can say it's, uh, it's becoming a more replaceable commodity. Where's the shift? Right now it feels like it's 50-50, especially depending on your expense at quarterback. But if you're seeing teams who uh, let guys walk or traded them, a Tyreek Hill, a Devontae Adams, an A.J. Brown – and replace them successfully, then you might be on the fence. You might be having meetings saying, well, this guy's been terrific for us, but if we draft a replacement and go cheap again, we can spend those resources on left tackle, cornerback, quarterback, positions we know we have to spend and aren't so easily replaceable. I think it's one of the more fascinating stories in the league right now. Matt Ryan and the Colts uh, begin our look at the AFC South. Uh, new acquisition, veteran quarterback. They luck out because they get rid of Carson Wentz and they upgrade with Matt Ryan. They also add Alec Pierce, a rookie in this draft, to pair him with Pittman at wide receiver. They add Stephon Gilmore at corner. They add Yannick Ngakwe on their defense. Uh, they've they've uh, also bolstered the interior of their defensive line. And uh, they lose Glowinski on the offensive line, but... Is that addition by they subtraction? Suck. Yeah, as well. So uh, here's a team that all they had to do was go to Jacksonville and win in the final week of the season and couldn't do it. And they now turn and still see Jonathan Taylor in their backfield, still see Pittman, one of the playmakers at wide receiver. Now they have Matt Ryan. And the question is, does this take them from a team that couldn't go on the road and win in the pressure moment against one of the worst in the league a team that had the number one pick in back-to-back -back years that couldn't beat them in the final game of the regular season, to now a team that is a legitimate AFC South top of the crop. Just like, by that one addition. I like what they did in the defensive backfield hut. Uh, uh, two guys we didn't mention there, Rodney McLeod, who was a guest of ours at yep. the Super Bowl, I think is a good addition. Nick Cross, third-round draft pick at safety. That's in addition to Gilmore. Kenny Moore, who's an excellent uh, corner slash nickel. I like Grover Stewart with DeForest Buckner, with Ngakwe, uh, Okariki. I, I like some of the things they have on defense. I don't think they did nearly enough at receiver. I mean, I look at the Titans who didn't do enough at receiver, and they did even less. Paris Campbell, you're waiting and waiting and waiting on that guy. He's nothing. Alec Pierce I liked in the draft, but it's going to take time. Pittman is good but limited. Yeah. I don't like him at receiver. I don't think that, that – uh, that, that uh, Matt Ryan has enough weapons, and I think their offensive line is overrated. Quentin Nelson's very good. Ryan Kelly's very good. Braden Smith's probably very good. But these other two, Danny Pinter 
and Matt Pryor as the left tackle, everybody seems to just be glossing over like he's going to be good. He's an average guy with a non-mobile quarterback who's going to have to throw the ball away and take some sacks. It's crazy to think this is a franchise that has not won the AFC South since 2014, that it's been that long of a drought for them. When you think about the Colts, that seemingly are always Fair. in the mix every year of a team you're talking about to, to make the playoffs or, or go on a run. I think it's a playoff team. I mean, they are, they are a choke job away a year ago in Jacksonville for making the playoffs. I see the overall roster. It's improved with the additions we showed, especially Stephon Gilmore. Uh, in Gakwe, I mean, this this is a better team than a year ago. Addition by subtraction, Carson Wentz gone, Matt Ryan in. I think that's an upgrade. Not an enormous upgrade. Certainly an upgrade in the competitive character department well and the care department, uh, locker room presence department. You're going to get that with Matt Ryan. I think it's a playoff team that's going to be right there with the Titans to win that division in December. I think it's that it's that simple with the Colts. I, yeah, I don't see the early the big lead the Titans had and the early clinch scenarios that the Titans, Titans are had. not going to sweep this Colts team or like they away, did last or year's run Colts away team. with it. Well, what buried the Colts last year were the, the they they finished the way they started. They started 0 and 3, including a loss here in Nashville. They sent them to 0 and 3, and then they finished limping by losing to the Raiders and the Jags in back-to-back weeks. Raiders and, was forgivable, the Jags was not. Yeah. But again, pressure moments where you just got to keep the 0-3 start made those December games uh, massive. And all of them are, but just they could not let a game slip uh, based on the wild card race. Houston, on the other hand, not in the wild card race last year. Quarterback is a guy they believe in, in in Davis Mills. We we had their former head coach in studio with us earlier this offseason. Their current head coach, Lovey Smith, feels the same way. And the additions have been on the offensive line and at corner. Uh, at corner, Derek Stingley, by all accounts, and just reading on the Texans over the last couple of days, he is putting on a show. I don't know if that's because of terrible quarterback play or because he is in there as a bona fide all-pro candidate as a rookie. Like Some guys just come in and just they fit. He looks like a veteran corner in practice when you watch highlights, um, which is tough to do in one-on-one drills. This guy's getting picks in, in one-on-one drills. I haven't heard as much on Kenyon Green, uh, the rookie guard, who was drafted a bit higher than many thought he would go in the first round. Many thought he'd be at the back end of the first round. The Texans selected him to help solidify their front at 15 overall. And uh, they also have Steven Nelson at corner. They lose David Culley. They lost safety Justin Reed. And... They, I mean, they replaced Cully with Lovey Smith, and to me, it's it's, it's the same team. Yeah, let me ask the you coach, this: the coaching department to me is a wash from yeah, last year I to agree. this year. And if you're gonna pick a uh, an environment and a franchise where a second year, third round quarterback pick is going to take off and surprise the league, is it the Houston Texans? No, that'd be no. one of the last five teams you would say where that would happen. So. I understand they're hopeful about the guy. I understand he's got some characteristics and stuff. But are we going to be sitting in December saying, wow, that Davis Mills really surprised us all in Houston? No. In New England? Maybe. I'd be a lot more optimistic about Davis Mills in year two if John Mechie wasn't diagnosed with cancer. Yeah, that too. I mean, that is a huge blow to that team. That was a great pickup where they traded up to yeah. get him in the second round 
coming off the knee injury late late in the season at Alabama, but a terrific talent and a terrific career at Alabama. Uh, that that's a big blow. And, and first off, obviously thoughts with him in, in battling cancer, but for the Texans' fortunes, that's bad. Uh, I think that the roster, you know, it was going to be improved regardless from last year to this year. It, it is slightly improved, but this is still – this is a team that's going to duke it out with the Jag, just like the Colts are going to duke it out with the Titans at the top. These two are going to have a pillow fight at the bottom of the, of the division to see who's going to finish last. They open up uh, this year against Indy. They're hosting Indy in week one. Rematch. And, yeah, you uh, they get to go at it down in Houston when everyone's healthy – they don't have the saga of Watson hanging over them. Um, I you know, should also uh, point out with uh, additions and subtractions, I would also count Zach Cunningham as a loss. Yes. They let him go for nothing to Stupid. a division rival, and he was a, you know, uh, a wrecking ball in the, the middle of their defense, and he was a big part of why they were so good at stopping the run. They've shown us little reason to believe in the people who are constructing the roster and the people who are leading the coaching of the roster. Until they prove otherwise, I think we all feel that way. I, I believe the Tex, I know I know the Texans are among the teams. I believe they're the only team that currently, if you wanted to go bet game by game in Vegas, they're the only team not favored in a single matchup on the Vegas board. They're drafting top three. Jacksonville favored in both games, which means they're favored in two. They're drafting top three, and they have the picks of Cleveland as well on, on top of nice, that. Nice, hearty draft next right. year. Are the right people making the picks? Armando Salguero is our pick for NFL coverage at Outkick.com. He joins us next as we go on the field with Outkick 360. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The NFL's Hall of Fame game is tonight on NBC in primetime. The Jacksonville Jaguars and the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, Boselli and Branch are two of the members that will be inducted as uh, Pro Football Hall of Famers this weekend in Canton. That's the tie-in between the two teams. And uh, the Jags are finally represented there. Armando Salguero and, and PK represent the Hall of Fame as well as selectors. And Armando joins us from outkick.com, covers the league for the site. And uh, very appreciative, Armando, for uh, sliding back on the time for us today. We appreciate you, man. And uh, ready to talk some ball and watch some football tonight. No, I, I, I understand my, you know, my lot in life and my place on the totem pole. I get it. Well, if you, you, you were... Get, you, get a legitimate, you get a legitimate guest. Mondo goes off into well, the netherworld. To clarify, okay. to clarify, Armando, if you were here in town and walked in, you would have bumped Scott Dixon, who would have been who was on Zoom in another place, also. So you get uh -huh. absolutely every privilege that Scott Dixon would have. He he just happened to be in town and walked into our studio an hour early. So we 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 appreciate your flexibility with that. Thank you. Well, I'm just hoping to avoid the unfortunate possibility that we're gonna 
carry over from the last segment and talk about the Texans. <laughs> we are Ooh. not. Uh, no. I, I want to talk about your piece up at OutKick right now where you've looked in to the history of Peter Harvey, who's now the new appointee of the NFL. What can you tell us about some of his decisions and, and legal work in the past? Well, he was the first uh, black attorney general for the state of New Jersey. He popped a mob boss. Uh, he went after the Latin Kings gang. Um, I'm sure you guys are familiar with the Latin Kings, right? You, yes. you, <laughs> they're not a band. Uh, <laughs> and so celebrate uh, their entire catalog. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, and uh, he also did, you know, some liberal things. He wrote a, um, he helped write New Jersey's um, anti gun law. So, you know, he did that. But aside from the fact that he has worked for the NFL and has been, uh, party to NFL, uh, you know, paychecks. I think that Deshaun Watson, at the very least, can feel pretty good about the fact that this guy doesn't come in with, you know, having picked a side uh, consistently throughout his uh, legal career. What happens if the, well, I know I'm hypothetical here, okay? I think we know how this is going to end. They're going to lay down the hammer on Deshaun Watson. What happens if the NFL doesn't get what it wants for a second time? <laughs> well, then uh, Roger Goodell takes his L and goes into the regular season telling us how great the regular season is going to be. Look, I, I don't think that Goodell is all that concerned about what the outcome of the appeal is, okay? I think that he was concerned about what people thought of how hard the NFL fought uh, in trying to get the year-long um, suspension for Deshaun Watson. If you fight hard, if you go to the mat, if you take it to the appeals process, Roger Goodell can can really say, hey, you know what? I did all that I could, and this was the this was the result, and we have to accept it. For the worst tampering case that uh, commissioners ever seen, does that seem like the worst penalty uh, he could have come up with for Stephen Ross and the Dolphins? Uh, I wrote on Outkick, Paul. Um, the site that you also write for sometimes yeah. and Jonathan and Chad um, that they got off light. I thought that the Dolphins got off light and I'm a little perturbed that nothing happens to Tom Brady. Nothing happens to Sean Payton. They're like, you know, treated like victims when in fact they were active participants in the tampering and Brady an active participant over a three-year span. So how is it that they just, you know, don't even get mentioned, and yet uh, this was not your typical tampering in that, you know, game is played, game is over, both teams meet in the middle of the field, and maybe a coach tells a player, hey, dude, I know you're a free agent. Come to us next year. Or a player tells a coach, hey, I'm not under contract next year. Come get me. 
this wasn't that. This was a pattern of behavior by the Miami Dolphins in that they know the tampering rules and just, you know, didn't care. And didn't care to the heights of ownership. It's one thing if the coach is in it or an assistant or something. The owner and then the owner who's in line to be the next owner were the two chief guys involved. And there's layered interest in this whole story to me, Armando, with with all of this and what came out of this investigation. It states in, in the investigation it was proven that the Dolphins did not tank games in that season. Stephen Ross then go, goes and puts out a statement that's a victory lap about how egregious it was that you know it was claimed that he said all these things. But then in the report, it basically says he did say these things about tanking. And he did make a reference, even if he said the intent was a joke, about paying $100,000 to Brian Flores to lose games over the course of the season. So then I come down on this. Man, Brian Flores may have a little bit here in this lawsuit, not about the racist elements of it, but now we're going to sit there and try to deliberate what was taken as a joke and what wasn't and what was the intent of what Stephen Ross was saying. What did you make of that part of this, this report? At the core, the things that Brian Flores alleges about the Miami Dolphins in his lawsuit are true. And uh, it, Stephen Ross said, relative to tanking, that winning wasn't the most important thing for him, that the most that the priority for him during the 2019 season was situating the team as best as possible for the 2020 draft. That's in the report. And so that that is a mindset from the very top of the organization. And it wasn't just the very top of the organization. Ross repeated these things to the president of the team, the general manager of the team, the senior vice president in charge of the salary cap, and Coach Flores until the point where Flores got, you know, angry about it and was told, you know, Steve is on your side. Don't you worry about nothing. He's for you and with you. He loves you. He wants to win. And then Ross stopped telling those things to to Flores. Amazing, isn't it, that this all started with Bill Belichick sending a text to Brian Flores instead of Brian Dayball and congratulating him on that job. If not for that text, who knows if we end up here um, with with where everything is. And Brady was involved in this in, in some capacity. Uh, the whole thing. Uh, Armando, if, if you think uh, Tom, Tom Brady should be penalized, should Matthew Stafford also be penalized for vacationing with, uh, in Cabo with Rams uh, head coach Sean McVay? Did they do that for three years in a row? Well, they did it uh, once. And then he won a Super Bowl for the team. Yeah, that's, that's where I think that, look, um, the NFL is is huge, and their their arm of discipline is huge on past uh, behavior. And I think we can all agree, Tom Brady, you know, God bless him, a lot of championship rings, but not a pristine reputation. No, 
Sure. Are we agreed on that? Right. He really wants to game. be in Miami too. Right. Um, so Sean Payton, great coach, but also not a pristine reputation, right? I mean, the bounty scandal, so yeah. forth. He was suspended. So these guys have a history with NFL discipline, and yet they get off scot-free. And I know what you're saying, Jonathan, about Stafford. I don't know of any Stafford disciplinary issue prior to, you know, him going to Cabo and Sean McVay is there and well, Sean McVay is not the owner, too. Of I, I would say is a is a big difference. Sean McVay didn't own the the Rams. He he met in Cabo. It's I mean we we all know the story. They're they're going to write a children's book about it at the league office about how he went and hit it off with the head coach and offensive coordinator, and then the, a few months later won a Super Bowl. Yeah, and it, it, because it worked out. But Stafford approved the trade because he met with Sean McVay, and to think that he's the only person Stafford met with. We're not fools. What I don't understand, Armando, is that the players have a contract, right? I mean, we, we have been talking and debating about Kyler Murray signing a contract where he has independent study clauses for four hours a week in it. I feel like an NFL contract with a player, especially a very high-paid quarterback, would stipulate that you are in violation of your contract if you go and meet and talk to other teams' owners about playing for their team while under contract. That That's the confusing part to me, not necessarily the league discipline element, but I feel like they would be in violation of a contract if they did that. Sure, uh, but Chad, I mean, contracts in the NFL, <laughs> they are a, an am, a sometimes ambiguous, true, uh, amoeba-ish, uh, breakable, adjustable, extensionable, uh, cuttable, releasable thing. <laughs> Teams take advantage of it. I mean, we've got a bunch of wide receivers in the NFL right now who were under contract for this year at X dollars, and they made it known that they were so upset and unhappy, and a couple of them asked to be traded to the point where the the contract that they were under this year got rewritten either by the team that they were playing with or a team that they were traded to. Those contracts were were hard and fast, and yet the players found a way to get them changed. It's a month and four days until the Rams open, but bad elbow tendonitis for Matthew Stafford, even that far away, has to has to have the Rams a little bit nervous, doesn't it? I'd rather be talking about an ankle or a hamstring or a knee than uh, throw an elbow. Is this the pound Matthew Stafford segment? No, on- he's just the most recent example that no one mentions. I mean, we, we praise the Rams for doing this, but, I mean, it, it, to me it happens every offseason. As long as you're going to talk about Matthew Stafford's shortcomings, what about that moment at the parade where a photographer falls off a stage and he turns and he's around? Like, hey, Back to where's my beer? He walks away. <laughs> at least and his wife took care of it. His, his wife stopped oh, no. to take care of him. He kept they, going. 
terrible. They issued a statement pretty quickly. And he had to end up paying for the photographer's medical bill so that he wouldn't be, uh, you know, uncovered as unfeeling and, you know, just generally a bad human. Armando, what, what's, what do you think we see next? We, you mentioned the wide receiver contracts. Everybody that asked to get paid got paid in some way. Some got a two-year extension. It's a, a money today for Johnson. Others, uh, A.J. Brown had a five-year contract. It's probably a three-year deal looking at the money and the, the, the guarantees. Nonetheless, do you think it's more likely we look back on this two years from now and say the teams that extended these guys this offseason – extended them during their prime window, and we'll see them move on to the next crop of wide receivers after this. And, and the, the short-term contract with the money now, actually, they're paying for the production that the guys are about to produce now. Do you, do you think long-term we'll look back on this and think, man, that, it really wasn't that much money for the wide receiver production they received for the top guys? Right. Uh, I would say... That will probably be true for most of these guys, with the possible and probable exception of DK Metcalf, okay. who you know has a quarterback situation. Yeah, that, that, that's a good like, point. Like really bad. So if I'm the Seattle Seahawks and I'm fake GM Mondo, yeah. I'm trading DK Metcalf for for you know draft choice compensation because they're not winning the NFC West. They're not going to the playoffs, and they need a quarterback. And so what? What are you going to do with a $25 million wide receiver? Armando, it's one thing for an offensive lineman to come into the league as a first-round pick with a chip on their shoulder because that's how they play the game to the whistle and beyond, and they're from a small school in northern Iowa. It's a different thing to pick a fight three straight practices and get booted from practice at the start of one on day number three because you fought someone all three days. But here's Trevor Penning, the rookie first-rounder for the Saints, getting booted by their new head coach quickly in practice because he can't stop fighting during training camp. This is – I don't – you can shape this however you want. This is not a good start for a professional. I love him. <laughs> I mean, I, I kind of do him. too, but I, I don't know how you could view it as man. This this guy, I uh, love him. We crushed Taylor Lewan in this city for a while for having a lot of fifteen yard penalties. I think this guy may set a record before it's all said and done if he continues at this rate. That's that's fair, and the difference is Taylor Lewan is like in what year seven, six, something like that. Paul, what yeah, what year is he in? Okay. This guy is in minute 15, and so (laughs) he has a chance to learn. He's trying to make a name for himself, as one of the teammates who fought him said yesterday. And the guys in the locker room generally love him, think he's going to be really good. The coaching staff is angry because now under the CBA, you only get a limited amount of practice time. You can't keep a team out there three hours anymore. You can't keep them past, uh, you know, two hours anymore. And so the they're upset when they have to stop practice and, and 
separate guys. But I guarantee you that sometime in the 2022 season, Trevor Penning will, the, the light bulb will come on and he will be playing and he's going to be good. Luan going into year nine. There it is. You're not. Hey, Armando, final 30 seconds. Other than Trayvon Walker, and the answer can be no one, but I'm sure there is someone. Other than Trayvon Walker, is there a player tonight you're really eager to watch play? Um, No one. Okay. <laughs> That's my answer. I'm sticking with it. No, actually, you know, this is going to sound stupid. I want to see these two coaches coach. I want to see them handle the sideline and handle their teams. Josh McDaniels, the last time he was a head coach in the NFL, he was a disaster. And Doug Peterson, it's been a minute since you won the Super Bowl, my brother. That's a great answer. That is a good That's answer. not a stupid answer, Armando. That's why we have you on. No stupid answers on this show. That's right. Or from Armando. Appreciate you, man. And again, very gracious with your time this afternoon. We, we uh, thank you very much. Thank you for not asking me Texans questions, guys. You're welcome. We'll get you next week. Next week. Next week. Armando Salguero there with the latest from NFL training camp and courtrooms. (laughs) Yes. Our legal correspondent. Tonight, at least we don't get to see the NFL logo inside of a courtroom or outside of a a legal proceeding. We get to see it on the actual field in camp. I bet the entire second half will be spent talking about (laughs) all the legal issues. You'll have to let me know about that. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well, uh, yeah, true. The legal roundup on NBC. Hey, we, we took a nice picture with Scott Dixon here after yeah. the segment. So I'm, I, I blew up me and Scott Dixon. I'm sending it to my mom. How is my neck here? Because I think my oh. neck looks pretty good. Oh, I, the, I don't. I, again, I don't care. And I don't think you should care. I don't think you should care at all. Obviously, Chad. You care way too much. Send it. And this, I mean, this could be, this is my example. I think I look pretty good there. You, Paul, you look great. But here's, here's the example of the NFL appealing, putting this in front of an independent, now overseer, to decide the appeal. And they think they're, it's going to come back a certain way based on what they're presenting. I think this could be an example of you're presenting this photo, wanting Expecting to be praised, a certain, yeah. and it comes it back, back the opposite you're way. What could she say? A second time. What could she say? She's going to say you're not eating. I don't like that shirt. <laughs> you need to eat more. Yeah. You look yeah. too thin. Too thin. Yeah. You're gaunt. You look like Tom Hanks in Philadelphia is what you may come back and say. <laughs> yeah, she didn't, she didn't have that. Castaway. She didn't have Castaway the film by better example. She didn't have that film recall. <laughs> the end of Castaway. You should look more like Tom Hanks, the start of Castaway, and not Tom Hanks, the end of Castaway. My mom is oh. watching uh, movies on uh, what, what's the Hallmark Max. channel. Give me a Hallmark uh, movie reference. Something Go ahead, Christmas Jeff. in Vermont. <laughs> Go ahead, Jess. Home for Something Christmas Something with golden in New retrievers England. and bows. Yes. Yeah. The Hallmark you got channel. It. Home for the holidays. Oftentimes when I call, she's, uh, or I tell her I'm going to call, she's going to wait until 8 until my movie is over. Your story. <laughs> uh, hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. More with the show next on the Outkick Network. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th 
Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hall of Fame game tonight. Paul, we need to put this on the on the calendar for next year. This was the uh, this is the anniversary of the All Rise to the Cleveland Indians trip where we went up for Canton. What three years ago? Four I think I had a uh, close up picture of Justin Timberlake uh, in my Facebook memories last night from uh, from our Jerry Jones. It wasn't that party. long ago. Five years ago. Six years ago. It's both a memorable and forgettable trip. <laughs> For sure. how, I would, uh, how I would describe it. Both memorable and forgettable. Aye, like many awesome. trips. But, uh, Let's it was, do it again. We all rose. It was a real breath of fresh air, that trip. I really feel like it was, it was quite productive. Cleveland treated us right. Cleveland was great. I, I remember driving yeah. around through your, uh, the area that you lived in, and you really came alive. <laughs> I mean, the windows were City down. embraced me. Like, looking, uh, I was Cleveland, driving welcome fast. me with open arms. I'm here. I've arrived. And we, we went back. Your the, king is here. We went by uh, Paul's old church, and it was locked. We couldn't get in. Yeah, yeah. boarded up. <laughs> I wouldn't say boarded up. Just uh, wasn't like there was a service going on at that time. These men cannot enter. Yes, not worthy. Um, speaking of uh, the Yankees, they were in town against Cleveland that year. Um, they lost last night. Castillo, the who the big pitcher that uh, Seattle traded for, shut them down. Wow. Not good. And Garrett Cole got lit up six yeah. runs in the first inning. He needs 14 and 15 for the Yankees since July 1st. Well, they're not playing great right now for a team that uh, I mean, still got a great record. You know, they're fine. They're pretty good, but they're, uh, they're just fine. Yeah, Astros coming hard at them. The Yanks need home field for the playoffs. It's gonna be a fun show tomorrow. It's we will fun. be uh, live outside at Sixth and Peabody for the Sixth and P Grand Prix to get you ready for the Music City Grand Prix in Nashville. Hope you'll join us. Tons of NFL discussion. NFL Network's in town tomorrow. It's a big day. Yeah, join us for Outkick 360. Read right here. Don't block the box, but lock your locks.